Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mikel makes hay, Tuchel toils, Walker wheeze, and Richarlison sneaks one into the back of the net. Welcome to the Football Ramble. It's Thursday, 21st of April. I'm Kate Mason. I'm Eddie Russell. And I am the spirit of Miguel Almiron. And I think I join with all Football Ramble listeners in saying, uh-oh. <laughs> Well, Luke Moore, how are you doing I'm today? Pretty good. I haven't worked with you for a while, Kate. Yeah, and you're feeling sprightly. Well, it's going to make it tough for you. That's you're all. You're feeling like you've got something you know, to say. You know, we were talking before <laughs> about my top five least favourite pieces of football, football? Le- yes. lexicon. Yeah, I've come up with number five. Well, I had, I got the first four quite easily, listeners, yeah. which included football club. Yeah, we know it's a fucking football club. Yeah. Just say club. Yeah. <laughs> number five, Miguel. It's Miguel. Oh, sorry, I messed it up. So what did I say? I'm the spirit of Miguel Almiron. Miguel Almiron. It doesn't matter. There's a lot of Miguel. It doesn't I mean, matter. has he come back into the team to score a winning goal for this? <laughs> we'll find if, out. If, if you were better friends with him as well, you would have called him Miggy. Miggy, yeah. Uh, you attempted, but you thought that was disrespectful, didn't you? And uh, now look what's happened. Eddie Howe did call him Miggy in this post-match. <laughs> so Arsenal went to Stamford Bridge and battered Chelsea 4-2 in the end. Two lovely goals from Eddie Nketiah. Uh, Bakayo Saka sunk a penalty. Animal Smith got in on the action as well, uh, Mikel Arteta afterwards, Luke, saying that he'd been a bit unfair to Eddie Nketiah not playing him more. And, and that's true, isn't it? And is this the end? Two questions. Is this the end of Alexander Lacazette? I think it's a bad day at the office for Mikel Arteta when you've got a player like Eddie Nketiah who sees Emil Smith-Rowe and Bakaya Saka making such an impact at Arsenal. I think they're both joint top scorers or something like that. They've both got... Yeah, 10 each. Yeah, that, that, oh, they both got 10 each. Great. And he thinks, I could, I could do that. I mean, you, you've got problems in that area of the pitch. No, neither of those two players, Smith-Rowe or Saka, are out-and-out strikers. I can do a job and I'm not I'm not playing. Uh, so and out of contract in the summer. Exactly. So he, all, this, all this stuff about contracts and all these 
um, things are seeded to the press about how you might, might want to move on. Arteta has to damp that down. And then he goes and scores two goals at Stamford Bridge in quite a big win. It's a, it, you know, Although it's a great day at the office for Arteta on one level, on the pitch, off the pitch, it's a, it's, a, it's a tricky situation for him. And I think that comment, to answer your question in a roundabout way, was perhaps maybe his attempt to try and start to knit all this back together again. Because um, although I've heard people who know much more about Arsenal than me say, you know, we can't rely on Eddie Nketiah, um, we need a striker. I don't know if I agree with that because we don't really know what Nketiah is capable of because he doesn't play football games for Arsenal. And but the only based reason on last night he was he and was he's excellent. brilliant in the cups but, when he does get a chance. But the only reason he's played in this is because they've not managed the personnel situation particularly well. Lacazette's had COVID right as well. Yeah, he didn't yeah, play yeah, yeah but like COVID. Well, Lacazette with no backup has been their thing for the second half of the season, isn't it? Really? Yeah. In, and, unless unless Nketiah is the backup, it's such an unusual situation with both those two running out of contract and the club clearly sold on on neither of them. And I suppose it's kind of an appropriate twist that Nketiah comes back into the team and gets two goals that you wouldn't expect in a win that you wouldn't expect yeah. with a performance that you wouldn't expect as, as as well. And it was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Russ? Oh, yeah, it was. Well, it, not for you, obviously. No, I'm just pure football purist today. Right, oh, good. Okay. My, my identity is uh, whatever, whatever team it is that I support will be uh, parked. I think I think also in Ketia, I, know, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. S- seven goals in seven starts this season. I mean, he's really doing. I mean, he's got five goals in the League Cup, um, two goals and two starts in the Premier League, and a lot of the substitute appearances he's made, he's not been able to make an impact really. Mm. And it, and it it does seem from the outside looking in a little bit confusing. Arsenal have clearly got problems in that area as you've talked about, and there are other players who have come through the ranks at, at Arsenal. Obviously, been very well looked after and very well brought on in the academy. And Ketty is another one of those, alongside Saka and Smith Rowe. We're just not getting a chance. And and cl- clearly, there's a reason. Say they it. clearly don't think he's of the same level. Sure, but what I'm saying is, there's it not. Seems a... like they're wrong. Sh- yeah, but on the back of one game. No, no, no. But 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 the point is this, right? He may not be at the level, but they don't have the luxury of choice at the moment, do they? <laughs> yeah. So so you might as well just just give him a chance. But I, I I don't know. I think the thing is, I mean, obviously things change a lot with those three successive defeats. But when you look at Lacazette's contribution, it's only been since the defeats have started happening that his lack of goals has been a real talking point. Because before that, I think people appreciate what, what he does for the team. It's interesting, reading a lot of Arsenal Twitter when Chelsea scored that equaliser, the, the, the Timo Werner equaliser. Like, well, the, the, the Nketiah goal's great. The equaliser is why Lacazette's in the team. Mm. And not in Ketia, mm. which I I, th- I think is quite an interesting okay, point. Now, point. Now, you know, it it turns out well for for Arsenal in the end. I don't know about you guys. I thought the pitch thing that Tuchel went on was just absolutely bizarre. I think you're looking at a man who's been driven to the very edge by having to do a post match with Jeff Shreves. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, that's not what I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say like, British yeah, government sanctions. Yeah, talking about having to take the weight of Chelsea Football Club on no, his I shoulders. Think, I think that pals, um, I think the that, football club. Sorry, um, <laughs> I think that pales into insignificance when faced with Jeff Shreves right in front of you. You know, all that other stuff can on the back burner when I you've got to navigate Sh- ten minutes with Jeff Shreves. I thought Shreves he helped him out. Well, I'll, he did help him out. By ask being, a closed question. Yeah. Then he only has to say two Jeff words Shreve, and answer uh, yes or no. Absolutely right. Jeff what, Reeves helped perfect him out interviewing. by being abysmal at his job. What a performer. Yeah. Well, that, that immediately makes the head coach look grumpy, doesn't it? But Andy, this, it does. The head coach it? was grumpy. But he was. Well, well, and also, yeah. it's his right, by the way, just as a, not to 
be all kind of broadcast school here, as I'm sure I don't need to tell you, is his total right if you're asked a question that is has a yes or no answer, it's totally his right to answer it with a yes or no answer. Yeah. And he doesn't have to do the job for the interviewer, does he? He doesn't have to like deliver a, no. the perfect 45 seconds just because that's the convention. Absolutely fucking right, Tuchel, yeah, I thought. Absolutely Apart from right. the stupid... Uh, thing about the pitch. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting. Which actually came in the press bit. Afterwards. It did, it did, and that's what I was. That's what I was going to come on to say. You know, you can, you don't need to take my word for it that Jeff Freeze isn't really good at his job um, because people who listen to the show for a long time know I don't like him anyway. So don't take my word for it if you don't want to. But what you can do is go and listen to what the BBC journalists got out of Tuchel after the game, which is much more interesting. And the journalists in the press conference afterwards who got that quote that you're talking about, Kate, about the pitch. That that was weird from Tuchel. It's Someone sitting to my right is very, very smug that um, the wheels look like they're about Guys, to come you've been tra- every single time Chelsea get beaten, everyone's like, oh, yeah. brass, the wheels are coming off. People keep tweeting me about this, but I don't feel like it's the wheels coming off Thomas Tuchel at mm. the moment. I mean, he's not meant to be happy when they lose. I think globally, no. he's still doing a really good job. He's still yeah. the best yeah. man for the for the club, all that sort of stuff. I, I don't think we, we should put the cart before the horse here. But, but would you I let think the interesting thing is when we were going back and talking about Lacazette and Nketiah and contracts, Christensen is an interesting one mm. because Christensen and Rudiger are probably the two players, maybe alongside Mason Mount, although I don't think that's quite the same thing, that have benefited the most from from Thomas Tuchel being there you know that they've gone from being considered average to being very important especially in the case of Rudiger mm. but the chronology of their contracts means they're both running out of contract at a point and now obviously Chelsea's circumstances have changed but they've demanded a contract renewal and it's almost as if they're going to be they want to be paid on Tuchel rates rather than the rates of what they are in terms of the median of their career. Now, do I want to pay Rudiger? I guess is a more convincing case. But certainly Christensen. I think if you're Barcelona, who are going to sign him, looking at that, thinking, shit, we've thrown the bag at that. And maybe he was just having a good spell. Mm. I mean, you know, it's not the first time for Barcelona. <laughs> Let's make that clear. <laughs> but players, players and agents do that all the time. Yeah, right? that, and that is the bet you're making. You know? You've got, so, to, you've so. got to get your timing right if you're trying to negotiate a new deal for your player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, off the back of a Champions League win and, and all the things you've talked about, I think that's kind of fair enough. And it's up to Chelsea to kind of see through that and, and navigate that in a, in, a, in a skillful way as part of the negotiation. And they have. The, yeah. p- the pitch yeah. thing, guys, to return to that, the pitch too cool thing is to say the pitch is difficult to play here maybe sounds like an excuse, but it is a very, very difficult pitch that we have here. It's not in our favour. And he blamed uh, Christensen's error on the pitch. I mean, he could probably have tried to blame the Nketiah second goal, which I really enjoyed, by the way, on the pitch. If he was just, just throw it all in, just go all mm. in on it if you're going to. But uh, for me, Russ, I'm... That was my favourite goal, probably, even though, just because it was Better so than the Saka penalty. Come on! I mean, that was adorable. But um, he nearly he slipped a little bit, didn't he? As he was addressing it, I was anyway. It was a nice penalty. Um, but are you, are you calling him a Richarlison of a finisher? <laughs> oh my god! We'll get we'll, on to we'll that. We'll come to that. We'll get on to that. But, <laughs> yeah, I just thought the Inkatia second was really enjoyable. Just the reflexes and the kind of the instinctual way that he toe poked it in a little click. That was very satisfying sounding <laughs> click. Good That's for how you. I felt it. Another another skill for you. <laughs> Um, will, will, will the talents never start end um, I, I felt that the whole game was a really good indicator of exactly the amount of football that Chelsea have had to play and the fatigue that looks like it's setting in now, I know Andy's not a big fan of kind of reading too much into individual games I totally understand they that they flagged in the second it's, half it's a sensible way of going about yeah. things but mm. you know 
we talked, I think I talked about on Monday, West Ham playing 50-odd games. I think Chelsea will play 60-something. They will definitely play more than 60. And if you look at um, how they... How the how the how the mistakes came to pass? It did look a bit like mental fatigue. Particularly, so the best example of that would be Aspilicueta given away the penalty. It just had all the hallmarks of a man who's thirty two years old couldn't get in the right position against a, a player much younger than him and a lot and smarter than him who bought the penalty. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But but yeah. but if but if Aspilicueta defends properly, that situation doesn't even arise. Mm. He's caught out of position because he's playing wing back at thirty two against a very very young vibrant attacking three. Yeah, it was a um, lifeless uh, second half performance, really, wasn't it? And I, I think it's I think it's fair enough. I mm. think you, you you go into that, and it must be at least a bit of subconscious. Yeah, we can win this without getting out of third gear really also they can fuck over Spurs so why not (laughs) (laughs) Aspilicueta at the end speaking of which reminded me of our conversation about Granit Xhaka from a few rambles ago um, when he went up some fan was giving him shit from the side did you see this and he kind of went over to him and then by the end the fan was giving the double thumbs up which I thought was quite enjoyable it was that classic thing of like I don't know if I think that Aspilicueta should have done that I think, yeah, the reminder that, like, I can hear you and I'm a real human person. Absolutely here. right. I, I completely agree. It's quite enjoyable. And is it not a bit of, as you were talking about before, I'm tired and I can't. <laughs> no, but he's had to go. It's, it's, it's an extra trip, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Just trudge off if you're that tired. Well, don't what, don't, don't it, do some it, extra yards. Was the guy not on the same side as the tunnel? Probably was, yeah. So you thought it was a bit of, well, I can do this on the way. Two birds, <laughs> one stone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, the, the football, football fandom is littered with, and I remember this happening when I was a much younger man watching football. I, I would be at, at Fratton Park. And, you know, I'm a Portsmouth fan. I'll be in the front and end and you'd be hammering. People will be hammering players all game. Please not Guy Whittingham. Awful stuff. No, not your own players. And, and, <laughs> but, but Andy, do you know what the thing was? The moment a player who was a target of 90 minutes of basically, let's call it abuse because that's what it is, mm. flicked them the V's or whatever, they'd be all on the football, all on the radio phone-ins. He's a, he's a disgrace of an example to my son. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah. well, you've been standing next to your son, mate, for 90 minutes calling him a wanker. So, you know, Let's, let's look a bit closer to home. So I do, I do, I do applaud that from Espelicueta. You yes. know, I wouldn't quite take it to the Cantona level of uh, of response, but I think on the Cantona well, scale, that was very low. Yeah. These days, from the sound of it, after playing a full game of wing back, he probably couldn't make it over the advertising order. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Imagine if he did that. Yeah. Imagine if he tried it and just hit the advertising order, just fell over. <laughs> do it at half time. But, but as taken off. But I don't want to come up the back of this chat really negative about Aspilicueta. He's, he's been a brilliant player and an amazing servant to Chelsea. I think he's a fantastic professional. And his goal was great. It was. Well, he took it well. Um, and he's still got a lot to offer, of course, but it did look like it was very tough at, towards the end of a very long season for them. And that I think that partly explains what happened. But let's not take anything away from Arsenal. I think, you know, they've, they've bounced back in a, in, at a time when they needed to because they've been in poor form. And, mm. and that, as we said repeatedly, it looks like Chelsea will get do enough to get over the line into third, but that fourth place is still open. When I said it's a performance you didn't see coming from Arsenal, I mean that in a complimentary sense. I, I really mm. didn't think they... Had that in them. I thought well, that had 2-0 defeat written all over it before it, the game. And even so, when they were playing well, generally really speaking, impressive. even when they were playing well, Andy, generally speaking, they were beating teams you'd expect them to beat and they still were coming yeah. up short against other good good sides. Yeah, yeah. So it is a bit of a bolt from the blue, absolutely. That's true. Six English players in the starting lineup for Arsenal for the first time since the turn of the millennium. And that's well. great stuff. That it, Honestly, that is honestly great stuff as well because for the reasons we've talked about with Nketiah, right? Um, you know, I, th- I think, yeah, look, Nketiah, I think, is... All he's done all he can do. I know maybe Andy feels slightly differently, but I think, I think all he can do. The way that Arteta talked about him afterwards is exactly the way that Tuchel talked about Tammy Abraham this time last year. Oof! It's like that—that that sort of. Oh, it's, it's not fair on him. I should play him more. Mm. 
I'm not gonna, but and he's all, gonna leave. But, yeah, but, but hey, it's also like how Pep Guardiola talked about Phil Foden. Mm. Yeah, but in a different way. No, he what, said look, he's I, got I, I his will, only will, problem is he's got a manager who doesn't play him I, enough. I, I will, That's what fair, he said. I will, I, will, I will make you a bet right now. Okay. Eddie and Ketia, 20 goals in the Bundesliga next season. <laughs> <laughs> and I would say to you, I would say to you, because I'll need to have the final word because I'm psychopathic. <laughs> uh, that You're a sociopath, aren't you? If you haven't killed anyone yet. I think you'll find in, in medical circles, sociopath's quite an outdated term now. So you, but also, we, production maybe listeners don't count. Maybe, and also, <laughs> <laughs> maybe listeners can, can, can come in on that. But I would say, I think that Tammy Abraham improves Chelsea this season. So who's 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 the real loser there? And Katia, an ex-Chelsea player as well, of mm. course. So did it to them at their own bumpy little home. Uh, Everton <laughs> against Leicester. Uh, they should change it to that. They should change it from Stamford Bridge to the bumpy little home. <laughs> Try and get the... the they're, not, they're not Mr. Todd living in a burrow. <laughs> yeah. Try and get the wind in the willows, fans behind them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Everton took on Leicester at Goodison Park. It was 1-1 in the end. That was a massive... Point. You don't like massive either, do you, Brass? That nope. was the other one you were saying. Damn it. Uh, I have to be so careful around you. It's so important. You. It doesn't mean he's right just because he pronounces foreign players' names with a different accent. You can say what you want. You can still have your own opinion. It was a massive I point. agree. I agree, Kate. It was massive. It was a giant number one. The binary system was just totally <laughs> fucked up by Everton's. Can I, can I also pull you up a side point because you said Everton took on Leicester. Everton don't really take anyone on. <laughs> Not this season. They took on the challenge of attending a game of football. They trudged onto the pitch, thought we'll give it our best go. <laughs> And they did. They did. They got a point. And in the end, frankly, to manage to get a point out of that when Richarlison missed so many times. And did his best best to miss the equaliser. God, that was poor. Yeah. He really scuffed that. It was the like yeah. whatever the opposite of a confident strike is. That's what that was. I mean, but yeah. it ended up going in the one spot that Kasper Schmeichel can get it. Yeah, helped on by the deflection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, can, I, can I reserve a little bit? I'm not sure if I'm going to be able, I need to read the room here. Can mm. I give Lampard a bit of credit here? Or is that going to go down badly with you two? You can do what you want to do and then we can you shoot can. you down. Okay, fine. Okay. I'll, I'll do my bit and you can do the real bit. Yeah. <laughs> you can do the proper analysis. So Everton started really poorly in this game. So I think we can all agree. And Leicester should have gone a couple ahead, really. And then that probably would have been that. Yeah, Brendy. We must have been yeah. pissed off. Yeah. And then, and then, but what he did do, and I, I thought it was quite interesting, Lampard's words after the game as well. Because he was quite honest and, and sometimes he's honest and you think, oh, he's just throwing his players under the bus because he's from that red nap school of kind of, they suddenly become them rather than us when it's not going well. But actually they did come out of it with a positive result and it's a real platform for them. It's a really important point if I can skirt around using the word massive because it puts them four points above Burnley and they're on the same goal difference, right? And they've got two tough games coming up, Everton. So it was really important to get a point. Mm. He said at half time, we need to do this, we need to be more compact, we need to do this and do that. And I thought it was quite interesting. And for him to have that impact on the team, we know Leicester are vulnerable, but he, he was noticeably able to make an impact on that team in the second half to the point where they were well worth the point towards the end. Um, and I think that's probably quite a positive thing uh, going into these two next games that they, you, know, you wouldn't fancy them to get anything out of. No judgment on Lampard here, because as I've said from the beginning, when he got appointed at Everton, um, I don't think there's really any coach who can properly haul them out of the situation. It's big, the problems are bigger than just the coach, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Much bigger. I, I don't think he's got the ultimate relevance to it. Um, the reason that Everton will stay up, and they will stay up, mm. is because Burnley are not good enough to catch him. Yeah. That's what will happen. It won't be because of anything that, that Everton have done. I, don't I, think. I think that's right. But um, Kate, I don't know if you were on the show when me and Andy had this disagreement before. I think it might have been Marcus hosting. But um, I, I differ to Andy... Uh, in principle, I understand that point, but 
the reason Lampard's taken this job is because he can spin a narrative to, let's face it, a willing media that he has, quote, saved Everton. And that'll be a real boost to his reputation if he keeps them in the Premier League. Um, you're right, but ultimately I don't think that'll matter for Lampard mm. and his career. And that's really what he cares about. Do you think, but given that Everton at this stage in the season are in a still continue to be in a relegation scrap, whether or not we think that they'll probably stay up after this after this result, despite the next um two well in particular, they're facing Liverpool and then Chelsea. Mm. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't know that he can argue that he saved them. But they were in a real... I mean, Kate, they were in a properly shit state before he came along. I mean, really Have bad. you looked at the table? Yeah, no, but I'm saying... That, mean, but, but you can't blame him for what's come before him, is what I'm saying. It's not like they were doing okay. and they're doing, It's not like he's done a Steve Bruce with West Brom and taken them from like 5th to 12th and talked about how he needs six new players. <laughs> they're, they're, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is the measure of success <laughs> for an English coach. Well, he's managed a thousand games, mate, so he's done okay. <laughs> he's done an okay career, Steve Bruce. You know, he may not have won the Champions League, but he's been around the game a long time. And if Frank Lampard's looking to fashion a managerial career, which we presume he is, yes. then he, he will be able to turn that narrative to his advantage. But whether it's bullshit or not is irrelevant. When you talk about fashioning a managerial career of any sort of length and substance. Mm. I wonder on the other side of that, say if Burnley do get it together and say if Everton do, and it was so important for them to get something out of this because God knows they don't look like getting anything on the road. Mm. Yeah. If they were to go down, where does that leave Lampard? It's a big gamble. That's, that's the downside to the gamble, but that's always been the case. I mean, Burnley plays Southampton and they've got so, another winnable game. Oh, Wolves, they've got Wolves at home after that. They've got Southampton and Wolves at home. Right. They could win both those games. I mean, they could. Mm. It's not. It's not against the complete realms of possibility they could win those. And if they do, Everton are in big trouble. I'm Malbec not saying scored again. That's yeah, exactly. That's what a gamble is, though, right? There's always going to be a downside. You just mm. got to make 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 your call. I mean, the the point I'm making about the Redknapp family, of which Lampard is an extended part, is I heard Redknapp Harry Redknapp on the radio a week or so ago talking about how. You know, no one knew the kind of player Luka Modric was. He was a left-sided midfielder, not being used to his to his best until I got hold of him and played him in the middle. Kind of these people. To be are, fair, he was quite good at that. They're, they're fashioning their own narrative, though, and Lampard's very much a part of that. That's the only point I'm making. He discovered Bale uh, before Lampard came. <laughs> uh, Everton was 16th, four points off the relegation zone. They're now 17th, four points off the relegation zone. So you, you know, why don't these lads just manage them? Strong and stable. Strong and stable. Stable It's more the same. It's more the same. And conservative. Yeah. Um, All right, then, time for a break. We'll be back. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, It's a a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills, or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. In football, you've worked with and alongside some of the biggest names in the game, some of the biggest coaches you've come up against as well. Who's been your biggest influence in your coaching career? <laughs> I think myself. Adorable. Yeah. Just adorable. It's oh, it's all about the narrative. Welcome back to the Football Ramble with me, Luke and Andy Brassel. Here he is. You sound like a married couple. We do. You didn't even give my surname. No. It makes it sound like I've taken your name when he says Luke <laughs> when she says Luke and Andy Brassel. <laughs> no, I've taken yours. No, he's yeah, he's taken your name. Luke and yeah, Andy but that Brassel. wasn't made clear in the way that you laid it out. We've Do got, it again. We've got Luke again. and Andy coming for dinner tonight. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah, I like it. Do it again. <laughs> I will not. Time for some I'll do a I'll do a Mason. Edit. Edit. <laughs> you know if you got a Yeah, it ends quite abruptly, that one. I'm Very always on, abruptly. I'm on edge when I hear that one, because I think it's going to end really suddenly and I have to be on my game. Yeah, where's your key change, pal? I oh, know, exactly. That's exactly. why I think that's that's an ode to Sven, particularly. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that an exclusive, mate? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Great, it's great to know. We, 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 we all suspected it. Great to know. Um, yes, emails. There's several ways you can send an email into us to shirtfootballramble.com and get it read out. Um, good ideas, witty observations. Um, let's be honest, criticisms of, of of our output. But another way you can do it is uh, by being called Tim Finger. Friend of the Ramble, Tim Finger. He is friend of the Ramble. If you're going to be called Tim Finger, you're probably going to get your email read out. Uh, He says the following. I wanted to follow up on Monday's Ruben Loftus-Cheek love fest. My wife and I, steady, had the absolute pleasure of meeting him on a trip to Stamford Bridge for our honeymoon a few years ago uh, and wanted to confirm that he is indeed a wonderfully nice human being. He was happy to spend time chatting and talking about the team and genuinely listen to what we had to say. His handshake was like a warm embrace. (laughs) And he has enough good looks to add a glow to those around him. He's a top-class guy and deserves all the kind words that you all offered on Monday. And I'm delighted that Tim got in touch with that story. So thank you for that, Tim. Because when I spoke so effusively in my praise about um, about Ruben on Monday, I was kind of half 
suspecting a barrage of responses saying, <laughs> oh, I've met him and he's an absolute prick. But we didn't get any of that. No. And I'm pleased that, that, that Tim can, can ratify my initial the devil, first impression. The devil's in the detail, Luke, because it says a few years ago. True. Before, uh, he, before he made it big. No, nah, he won't have changed. Tim, won't doesn't, changed. Tim doesn't clarify if this was the honeymoon package, the trip to What, a bit of Ru- <laughs> The RLC package? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He guarantee you an hour with Ruben Loftus-Cheek. He's got nothing else on wow. at that point. He's not playing. The, the best football wedding venue I've seen is, I think, the Den. Imagine, imagine getting married at the Den. Wow. Yeah. I also, I mean, mate, as an extension to that, going back to, to Fratton Park again, if I may, um, I've spent a lot of time would, at Fratton Park. Would, would Mrs. Moore not let you do that? First of all, she hasn't taken my name, so. <laughs> Good <laughs> but, on her. But the amount of bad memories of Fratton Park, and I'm speaking as a fan, yeah. and you see someone going and proposing to their new fiancé at the ground or getting married. Why would you do that? I saw someone once propose to their then fiancé, because they accepted, uh, at half-time mm. in um, one of the Papa John's trophy games <laughs> between John and Wimbledon. I mean, oh. honestly... Did you, was it a like, Wimbledon fan, presumably? No, it was, it was a Charlton fan. It was a Charlton it was, fan. It was, it was okay. a Charlton. So can you imagine saying, yeah, um, so uh, do, do you remember? when? How did you How did you propose to Grandma? Well, it was a half time <laughs> in a Papa John's trophy game. There were less than a thousand people there. So it was a very intimate, <laughs> candlelit set setting. We drew to all, but we lost the extra point on pens. <laughs> that game will be the only instance of there being more people at the wedding than actually at the proposal, which completely rules out the whole point of or doing at, a proposal publicly. At the, at the stage. Do definitely was that? Did you say it was at it was at Wimbledon? No, it was at the Valley. Yeah, because the Valley's one of the worst stadiums around as well. Fans there are awful. Well, they're just painting it with some love. That's how I make it make it glow, like Ruben Loftus Cheek does. We're going to come on to halftime interviews in a minute. So actually, maybe yeah, maybe that could feature as a whole a whole segment. Reading fans have taken a lot of stick from this show. Um, because of yeah, what, what the like. fuck did you do that? The, like two days before I was due in Reading. Well, do you want me to move the station? I can move it away to Charlton if you want. I've never seen so many fans just silently eating crisps. I'm, <laughs> I'm off to Bristol Rovers at the weekend, so if you've got any like shade you want to throw at them, no then... problem with them. No problem with them at all. Thanks for that. Get in touch show at footballramble.com or tweet us at footballramble. Uh, Manchester City beat Brighton uh, 3-0 in the ends, returning to the top of the table with yeah, what felt like a routine win. Sure, Brighton uh, were 0-0 at halftime. For me, interesting to see how a proper team deals with the, the choppy little stuff that Brighton get up to and the kind of tactical nous of uh, Graham Potter. Mm. Um, and Pep was happy afterwards because they've mathematically brass qualified for the Champions League. He did actually make a point of saying, didn't he? <laughs> It's nice. Yeah, so you got to celebrate the small weird, wins or the big it? wins for most people. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I suppose so. I mean, it was a proper panelling, <laughs> do you reckon he, wasn't it? Andy, do you reckon he was like a bit worried that um, he was just thinking about what happened to David Moyes the moment he could mathematically not qualify for the Champions League at May United? He got sacked <laughs> straight away. <laughs> I love the idea of grinding up a little wall chart at home and going, oh, for a big exhale. Thank God for that. Whew. I'm here for another season. Sign the lease for another year. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. But they did get battered, didn't they? Yeah, they, I mean, they, they, they they absolutely did. I mean, you were quite offended, Mace, with this being first on Match of the Day, weren't you? Tiny bit, yeah. yeah. Actually, was, I mean, I know it's like, oh, it's the title race, but it wasn't, you there's know, no, this wasn't the one jeopardy. with all the jeopardy. Exactly. No, no. Also, the bloody, someone called it the, the something like the South Westy London Derby or something. Someone made up some new London version of the Derby for, for that game. Uh, the Chelsea Arsenal game doesn't exist anyway. Forget no, that. that's mad. Um, that but either way, that was a fucking good game. Yeah. Um, uh, Carl Walker didn't play. Um, he was pissing on an expensive hotel. <laughs> so are these two things? Is that the reason he didn't play? 
I don't know. Maybe he felt like he was more anonymous after not having been on telly for a for a little while. He's, he's, he's badly hurt his ankle, hasn't he? Yeah, that's I mean, basically why he's not playing. Oh, maybe it's like uh, some sort of soothing technique. But, but I think, yeah, I, think... I don't know. The, the guest said the horrified guest said Walker looked around before pulling up his hoodie. Well, which is good, I think, to hide his face. <laughs> I think he should have been pulling up his flies. Um, well, I just not if you're about to pee. <laughs> <laughs> I just arrived for a quick meal with my family. It was revolting. It yeah. wasn't just a quick wee. No. Nice well hydrated. Well hydrated. He was there for ages. Mason, <laughs> we were appalled. I, Mason, I like the way, the idea that your PR advice to Carl Walker is to make this better, he should have pissed himself. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that's a better story for Carl, is it? People, yeah, but you might get sympathy with that. You might think something's wrong with it, but here also, they just think he's a delinquent. I misread this quote where it said, I just arrived for a quick wheel with my family. I thought it was Carl. <laughs> <laughs> nice day out. <laughs> oh my goodness me um, so, so the only way this game should have been top of match of the day was if Brighton got something out of it yeah right? of course I think, yeah. I think yeah. maybe maybe they uh, or they, even if there was like maybe like a last it was like a, um, maybe like a fighty 1-0 for but, Man City also I mean can or 2-1 last minute winner for City maybe put then, it at the top even then I, I do think that you know you, Kate you mentioned at the top of this that, that you know you're obviously referring to Spurs getting beaten at home by Brighton you know the, the reason Spurs was at home by to Brighton was nothing to do with tactics. I mean, it was quite an even game, right? And then Brighton danced, Trossard danced through a, a weirdly defending Art Spurs defence and yeah. scored. No, I think I think they did a good job. I think they did a good job on to, to stay in the game. You know, to, to keep they were it chopping nil, nil it up. So they were messing with the rhythm all of the time. They were always nice. Yeah, you know, I was I was quite. But, but, but you can't do that. Them. You can't do that at the against Etihad. City. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Either, either way, it's a horrible fixture list for Brighton. To have three trips like that in a row, isn't it, really? Apparently not. Well, they enjoyed they the fine about it. <laughs> enjoyed and the Arsenal. Well, it was Arsenal at the Emirates as well, that win. Yeah, yeah. 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 Seemed fine about it. Yeah. Uh, Newcastle won 1-0 against Crystal Palace. Miggy Almiron with a lovely old strike. and Then whipping his shirt off, thinking... Lovely old six-pack, yeah. Thinking Bruno Guimaraes looked absolutely buff then when he did this at the weekend, didn't he? Mm. Yeah. Almiron not quite the same level of, 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 um, of physique, are you saying? Well, I'm saying he's smaller. He's ripped, obviously. But yeah. Yeah, 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 smaller and not as tanned, I guess. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. He looks more like a gleeful dancing kid, doesn't he? Yeah, it's quite, it's quite well, sweet. Well, you can tell he's really popular, right? So I know yeah. he's very popular with the fans. Mm. I know that um, Eddie Howe was absolutely delighted afterwards, and because Eddie Howe was, you know, was was um, told by the interviewer that they won six home games in a row now, which obviously the best, the best run of home wins since Bobby Robson 18 years or something like yeah. that 2004 was the yeah. last time they did it yeah. and Eddie Howe wanted to talk about how hard Almiron had been working on that specific move in training and he was really pleased that he'd scored for it because he's such a great pro and a lovely lad and all the rest of it and kept calling him Miggy and I just thought you know what Eddie's taken a lot of vicarious pleasure in Almiron scoring there and you know, despite all the kind of things that are going on at Newcastle which are you know unsavoury as we know Eddie Howe seems like a good guy and I don't agree with his decision to go and work there uh, for all sorts of different reasons, but I, I I reveled in his enjoyment of someone else doing well. Really, because to me, it sounds like because of where they are and because of where they're going next, he says, oh, I'm pleased for him. I'm pleased for him. Just yeah. come out and say, he's not going to be here next season. <laughs> there's there's I'm you can't watch. I'm pleased for him enjoying it while he can. Exactly. Yeah. And just giving him, have- him a painting of a Spitfire. And saying, thanks very much. He'll always have the highlights. Exactly, because a a couple of days ago, you had that interview with John Joe Shelby where he said, I I, I just want to play it. I'd play it left back to play it. Yeah. I mean, they're they're all like throwing their applications in. Doesn't want to move house. Just does not want to move house. He'd go and play for Hartlepool. 
<laughs> rather than move. Eddie, Miggy, Steve Lee. First time Almiron um, scored for Newcastle in a very long time, though. I, can't, I don't know exactly how long, but it must be absolutely ages. Yeah, they're now up to 40 points in 11th. They're somehow three ahead of Crystal Palace. Although Palace do have a game in hand over them. Mm. They didn't seem up for it, but I guess... Um, yeah. Palace, that is. But I guess, you know, it was fucking deflating the weekend. It was, but then... And the There's semi-final, FA Cup semi-final is what I'm talking about. But Patrick Vieira can uh, console himself with the fact that his ghost is looming large over a Mikel, a Mikel, a Mikel Arteta and everything he does. Mm. Mikel Arteta is always speaking with a man who thinks, God, I wish Patrick Vieira would stop picking up points at Crystal Palace because <laughs> he is genuinely a legendary midfielder. He played it for a lot longer than me and he won a lot more. Oh, I thought you meant because he was about to come and nick his job. Well, I did mean that. That's, All right, that's okay, good. You mean he wasn't <laughs> Because I said that to Jim and he was like, nah, whatever. Right. He didn't. He's not. He's not buying it. Oh, no, like he's it. not. Is he? he doesn't no. like it. Well, Jim's not here. No, he's so not. He can do it. He and can take care of himself. He's not been here for a while, has he, Luke? No, he hasn't. Come to think of it, mm. where's Jim? Luke Moore. Email in. Well, there's nothing to do with me. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> nothing still, to do with me. Still proving what kind of path he is. Um, <laughs> half-time interviews. Then, Luke, you're very keen on this idea. Proposals for half-time interviews with Premier League managers have been sent to clubs for next season. This is something they do in the NBA. Um, and it well, sounds they're, they're, like a lot of fun. They're mic'd up during team talks. Or not. Sometimes. Ooh, I like that. During, during yeah. the NBA. That'd be fun. I mean, you know, for anyone who's seen the documentaries with the John Sitton, notably, mm. Dave Bassett, any of those Warnock as well. over the years, Warnock, yeah. it is fantastic being in the dressing room. I don't think that's what's being suggested. But that's, that would that'll be, be way better. That would be nice. So, yeah. you know, in yeah, the FA Cup. I don't, you don't need more Shreves. <laughs> no, I don't think it'll be Jeff getting the job, would it? <laughs> I hope not, anyway. Um, you know, in the early rounds of the FA Cup, when a, when a kind of non-league or semi-professional team is drawn against a big, a bigger yes. side, mm. they always interview the manager of the of the small team, or whatever. Yeah. They sometimes feel like it's okay to do that, even though they wouldn't kind Feels of a bit patronising. Dis- yeah. yeah, disrespect like mm. a, yeah. a pro- quote proper manager. Um, I think I, I'm led to under- to believe it'll be a bit like that, which I think is a good thing. I, mean, I, I think that. Um, you know, I do understand that actually, ultimately, despite my position on the fact that football is entertainment and we pay a lot of money to watch it, so we should get as much access as possible. I do think I probably would draw a line at the dressing room. I think that's probably something they deserve to be able to conduct their job professionally and, and, and in, in privacy. Mm. But up up to that, up to and including that, I would say everything should be fair game. And I think, why not? I mean, if the manager's not got um, a huge amount to say to his team at half time. Um, then perhaps it could work. But I think the the problem with it is if you're in a real pressure situation, the manager's just going to refuse to do it because they're going to go, I've got 15 to 20 minutes maximum to work with my team here and I need to speak to them. They're not going to give up two, three, four minutes of that speaking to the press. Well, don't, don't they just mean I, I took it as a complete like two second flash interview well then what's two, the point two question flash what's the point interview? of it well they, they already they already do that in France for example yeah, but they've still got to do it right they've still got I mean the, what I'm saying is managers are going to resist this aren't they Premier League managers are going to resist it they're, they're not going to want to do it are they well the proposal is five that they'll be limited to five half time interviews per season and losing sides wouldn't well then what's the point approach. of it you're taking all the fun out of it there's no point doing it yeah it does feel heavily heavily curbed yeah do you think or they're trying to get them to agree to it and I mean I think it's better sense to, to ask the coaches yeah than it is to ask the players because like in um, France for example where they're coming off the pitch and they stick the advertising boards behind them on the pitch and interview them on the pitch side as they're coming off yeah. it's like oh, half time players are out of breath and go how unfit are players in France <laughs> Just tell me because that sounds bad. If if you're telling me that you can't have a three course lunch 
before you play a top <laughs> yeah. flight game. I'm saying that's the end of society. Yeah, I, I would. I do like it in principle. So I would like. Do you um, actually? I, well, I like the idea of micing up a, a a coach during the game or something, that's, or, or yeah. a sub or something like that. Um, but they're never going to go for that. So that's what you were saying. So sorry to. Re- that's good, I think. Stick a mic on the... If you were able to stick a mic on the and hear the half-time team talk, that'd be awesome. I don't think we need more like... They're not going to do that. That's no, never going to happen. I know, but yeah. this stuff is just more fluff. They, they used to let NFL reporters go into the NFL dressing rooms after the game, but then there's so yeah, many... Yeah, it's so weird. People can't see naked. Yeah, there's so many instances mm. of naked people <laughs> running around. They just stopped it, I think. But but I, I think, you know, referees being mic'd up is something that should be looked at I think seriously I think we should look at that that was good do you remember all those years ago I I don't know maybe you're a bit young for this but when uh, Arsenal played at when Arsenal played at Millwall in the first division which I'm sure you remember well um The David Ellery, the referee, was Mike. Yeah, and there's remember a game with Tony Adams just going cheat, cheat, yeah, shout, <laughs> screaming. Well, because Tony Adams Stop. thought he'd scored from a corner, he thought the ball had gone over the line, and he chased David Ellery around the pitch, going, "You fucking cheat! That was my fucking goal." <laughs> yeah, that was great. It was fair. good. I mean, you shouldn't should. have been saying that, but it was great. Yeah, um, I don't think, which is probably why they don't do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think uh, I don't think Shrevesy would be would be uh, in lined up after his uh, thing with uh, Brian Ivanovic that time. When he shot, when he was the guy who shot Bambi, according to himself. Yeah, he said that uh, I was the man who shot Bambi live on television because he told Brian Slavovanovic he was suspended for the 2012 Champions League final after he picked up a yellow in the semis. I mean, if all the Just things having knowledge is not again yeah. to return to the top of the show, I feel like having knowledge is your job, mate. I, I don't think I don't think that's something to criticise Shrees for necessarily. As in worrying about there. it. No, like, I think it's good. But the, of all the things that seem to stick around, Shreves, that's one of the ones yeah, that he yeah, gets yeah. hammered Wasn't for. Wasn't it less what he said and more the way he, way he said, said it? it? Yeah, he did say yeah. it. He, he, really, like, he really gloried in it, didn't he? Like he was really, yeah. really pleased to be breaking the news to him. Right. But I guess that's what a lot of reporters are like, right? Both in and out of sport. They want to do that stuff. They want to get a reaction. You oh, know? no. That makes him sound horrible. Well, yeah. I've got news for you, Mason. I'll talk to you after the show. <laughs> There's something... But I mean, Jen, like... It's journalism, though, isn't it? I mean, I suppose it's telly, right? Yeah. The idea should never be to... I, the you idea need, is you to need breaking news to players, I yeah. don't think. You need me to tell important. you that some people at Sky Sports can be quite unsavoury. <laughs> Let's move it on to the <laughs> Scottish <laughs> Premier. <laughs> um, do, do you know? Do you know about Dundee manager Mark McGee? He's of course, someone he's a legend let, in the game. Someone we and his skills at uh, interviews. He, we would like to see him interviewed at halftime potentially. He's been. He's, he's told. He's he's told a reporter he's been conducting some unusual preparation ahead of their vital relegation clash with St Johnston in the Scottish Premiership this weekend. So. A win would move bottom of the table, Dundee, that's them, within two points of St. Johnson. And he said, here we go. It requires no stone being left unturned because when the boys run out there on Saturday, we need to be able to say we've done everything we can to help them get a result. Sensible. There are two things I'm doing this week to focus us on getting the win. The first thing, I've gone on a diet. (laughs) So I'm hungry all the time. I can then ask myself, why am I hungry? And I'm hungry because there is a big game on Saturday. The second thing I'm doing, and I've also told, told Charlie Adam that I'm doing this, is I won't be using any heating. So I'll be cold. I then ask myself, why am I cold? And I can say, because of the game on Saturday, Lee. It's just that's footballing Vim Hoff. It just doesn't make any sense. Yes. Yeah. Have you seen that show? On, he's got a show on telly now. Has he? Yeah. Pops people in Face the ice fi- and yeah, then yeah. he's like, I'm oh, it. get I'm over it. it yeah. yeah. Apparently you're supposed to get in like getting into a bath. When you go into really cold water, yeah, okay, so I you can don't because otherwise, yeah. if you you go into like shock, right, and you yeah. and you swallow yeah. the water, 
I don't think that's what he's doing. No, I don't, I don't think he knows what he's doing based on these comments. Mark McGee, I'm not talking about Wim Hof, I'm talking about Mark McGee. Mark McGee is a character, that shall we say. When I say he's a legend in the game, I mean a legend for being quite controversial. I mean, he didn't he have a big run-in with like a teenage boy like a month ago? Oh, no. <laughs> and he also he also got really pissed, I remember, because <laughs> I, I sometimes, when I can, follow the results of Aberdeen. That's where some of my family are from. And Mark McGee was Aberdeen manager. I remember him, them getting beaten quite badly by someone they shouldn't have lost to. And he got really irate in a press conference then saying... Uh, he got really pissed off at the questions, saying, uh, look me up on Wikipedia. I've got a track record, you know. Look me up on Wikipedia. <laughs> really pissed off. And, he, and, and he did it in a way that he thought he was being clever, but it just made him look ridiculous. Um, so this is not doing anything to aid his reputation, I don't think. He's been reading stuff, I think. He says, we need the players to change. If they keep doing the same things as they have done, it's the Einstein adage that if you keep doing the same things and expect a different outcome, then it is madness. You have to change something. And that is what I've adopted as part of the process. Charlie says, I'm off my head. <laughs> Presumably he means Charlie Adam there. Presumably. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how helpful this is to his players, to be perfectly honest. I like the idea of doing something a bit unusual, but is that, is this the right thing? I don't think it's the right thing. What kind of diet is this anyway? I, my understanding of diets is not that you're supposed to just be constantly hungry. Are you? Yeah, but I think very much with... with No, that's definitely not it. But also, what Mark doesn't seem to understand is that that's very much a metaphor, isn't it? You're hungry for... You're, yes. you're hungry for, like, some kind of is professional... Sustenance. <laughs> but I don't think he needs to directly relate the two things. You know, it's not how unlike a British person to misunderstand yeah. metaphor. If I'm hungry, I'm shocked. If I'm hungry for food, I'll automatically also be hungry to achieve in other areas of my life. That's not really how it works. It's I, quite I, distracting, I wonder, if anything. I yeah. wonder what he made of that Eric Cantona quote about the seagulls and the trawler, which I think was a fine thing to say. Yeah, People were mental about it, but yeah, they, didn't, they didn't get it, right? They just didn't get it. I know. They're just not as urbane and cosmopolitan as us, Andy. Next. <laughs> so what does he mean about the trawler then? Cantona, that is. Well, it's, fairly not McGee. it's a fairly obvious metaphor, isn't it? Please. Well, he, he said, you're following me around because you think you'll get bits of little nuggets of information and press that you can report in the press about me. It's, it's obvious. I thought he was just making a word picture because he wanted to be seen as like an no, he did, poet. He, he did that. He did that. Part, uh, it probably can be both. He did that at the FIFA Awards, didn't he? Where yes. he turned up and picked in up a that. waistcoat and a flat cap. Yeah. Yeah. Like a French Peaky Blinder. Great stuff. <laughs> that's, your favorite, that. that's your favourite look, isn't it? No, I can't pull that off. Your waistcoat. It it's my favourite look for Donny. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. definitely. Donny was doing that before Peaky Blinders was even around. Donny invented yeah. Peaky yeah. Blinders. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Not a lot of people know that. Uh, tonight, Burnley against Southampton. Mm. That'll be fun for you, Luke. You'll Don't use it. the M word. Do not use the M word. What, massive? <sighs> Huge. God Gigantic. Some people might say there's some kind of psychological reason why you don't like the word massive, Andy. <laughs> say gargantuan. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah. Be, be more creative is what you're trying to say. Actually, yeah. though, I think, that is what I'm saying. I think two, if we're going to get into it, I think two syllables is better than how many of it? Four syllables. In that context, if you're building something up on television, you know you need a well, run-up. Well, it depends. Up. It depends. Gargantuan's much better. For if you're that. talking, but if we're going to talk about rhetorical techniques here, brass, we can go into. I would say in that context, the two syllables is stronger. Yeah. When you're trying to make a big point, gargantuan, you get lost in the word. Huge. No, but like, huge like any huge word, is possibly like, better. Like yeah. any word, if you re, if you use it too much, it loses all meaning. True. Agreed. And that is what has happened in a football context. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right. Yeah, that's fair. It's a, it's a big game. I mean, I, I would personally, because I, I love the relegation drama, I would love to see Burnley win the game. That's um, not the reason. Southampton going to 
chucking another multi-goal defeat to, uh, for, well, for, the, for the overall good of the Premier League. Sadly, they only tend to do that at home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which makes it funnier. Yeah. Uh, Tell Old Trafford season ticket holders that. It's been the only memorable game United have had at Old Trafford <laughs> in the last couple of years. I don't think Old Trafford season ticket holders want to hear anything from anyone about anything. No. Uh, if you're still with us. After that. Yeah, one thing they might want to hear is that um, Eric Ten Hag's just been announced. There we go. See? Woo. Expected for a while, but good to see it officially confirmed. The perfect venue for breaking news is, of course, a podcast that is released later. But... Good to get your thoughts briefly on it, Brass, because I know obviously we talked about there was a ma- we did a massive like deep dive on the pain of being a Manchester United fan yesterday, I guess. Yes. But this the the thing seems to be about Ten Hag is that I think Lars was a hundred percent right when he said it's about the correct management and machinery around him. Yeah, that, is that he can come in as the right idea, but, but he might not have the right stuff. But the 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 feeling is that. You know, there have been a couple of big backroom or upstairs departures already from United this week. So it does it yeah. does feel as if they're starting something anew for him. Now, obviously, it always feels better if it's the Pep Guardiola situation where all the management structures um, in there already and the coaching genius simply has to step in and, and get on with it. But United aren't in that position. But they've been building that, that to be around him for years, haven't they? Yeah, they, they've been they, piecing they, it together. They had, yeah. So like, hopefully for, for United, they'll manage to pull that together quite quickly. It's funny, until um, Vish and Jules and Lars spoke about it yesterday, it hadn't even occurred to me that Ralph Rangnick might still be there to work with him. I'd always assumed that when he got this consultancy role, he'd maybe put in his face a couple of times and they'd quietly pay him off and shuffle him away. But if they do actually work together in a meaningful way, then that's interesting. Mm. I'm interested to see how that would work. Um, it's no, There's no question that it's the toughest time to come in and manage that club in the Premier League era. Mm. You know, you, 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 he's taken the job on a day that the BBC uh, you know, sport comment headline is, you know, Man United have become a monstrosity. That's how severe the situation is in, in the eyes of people who follow the club closely and the fans will, will no doubt agree it's a massive job I don't think there's any manager in world football that can sort this out and deliver them back to where they feel they should be without all the things that you guys are talking about around them as well um, so it, it remains to be seen um, there's, a, there's a school of thought that says you know may not have been run this certain way so while this is going to be the case for the foreseeable future and has been the case for a wee while now certainly since Ferguson why not just go out and get the best manager you can right? Just do that. Mm. Why stick with the Solskjaer when you can go and get a Pochettino when they're available or a Conte? And people say, oh, you know, because it's, it's about more than, man, than the manager. Yeah, fine, but they've not shown any real willing to sort that out, so why not just go and get the best coach you can? It's clear that Eric Tan Hag is a, a well-respected coach, right? Mm. A very technical coach who can work in that environment and he's describing there. Does that mean that Man United will be delivered back to where their fans want them? In the foreseeable future, absolutely not. They're miles off it and they will continue to be miles off it, whoever the coach is. Uh, that's a really good point and I think your point about it being such a difficult time for them to come in as well is around the fact that they've already had we think it will take him what he's a he's a three-year projects guy potentially here Eric Ten Hag and the fans and the setup is already just so frustrating that Mm. they're it's the kind of end of their tether vibes. I mean, do yeah. you think the fans are going to have the patience to to really believe in the project for the next? I think the football's been bad enough for the last couple of years um, that, that they will. Cer- the- certainly the match going Manchester United fans. The thing is, I- I'm if if I was hoping it's go- going going to go well for Manchester United and looking at it from their perspective, I just hope 
They support Ten Hag by going and buying the right players <laughs> rather than the most commercially expedient players. And I, I think that's really, really important that he's got players who he can work with, develop. I bet Ajax are, are hoping that as well. I'm just imagining <laughs> Edwin van der Sar in a massive bath full of notes. Yeah. You know, like Puff Daddy. <laughs> yeah. The, the, I mean, look, the club has become unmanageable. So, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's almost like a category misdefinition to say, oh, the manager will sort it out because it's become unmanageable. And, you know, this best summed up by a comment I saw by someone yesterday or, or earlier today, that, you know, at the moment, Man United are a, a team that bring m- joy to millions of people every week. Just none of them support Man United. <laughs> <laughs> so I do, I do, look, the, the, the English football's a better place with a strong Man United in it, I think. Um, so I do wish them all the best, but I think, you know, the problems go far, far deeper. And like I say, they're miles away from it. Miles away from it. As we've said over and over, when talking about Manchester United for the last however long, they basically just need to turn it into a team rather mm-hmm. than a group of randoms well, who, con- are, who are all independently quite well, good like a social media content provider first <laughs> and football team second you know it, what happened against Liverpool I know you guys covered it but it's absolutely re- embarrassing like it's not even about the result because you can have a bad result they're not even the best social media content provider they're not even the best retro outfit to, that's Arsenal they're not, I mean, even, that's they're not even embarrassment they're not even the best team in Stratford if you need more of this, um, on the continent is out later. Dot and Andy and Miguel Delaney. Miggy and Maron Delaney will be here to talk about tons of stuff about across European football. This week they're discussing PSG closing in on the Ligue 1 title. What the situation is with Pochettino. Again, not the boss of Manchester United. Mm. Plus, what does the future look like for Atletico Madrid? They also get to the bottom of UEFA's latest reforms to the Champions League. Catch it later on Football Ramble Presents. Time to get out of here, unless you think there'll be any more breaking news you want to alert us to. Nothing massive. (laughs) Nice. Oh, ramblers, don't forget to listen tomorrow. That sounds like there's plenty coming your way. Thanks for listening to the Football Ramble, part of the Acast Creator Network. The Football Ramble is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. 